0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from one and only true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The temptation of Christ in the wilderness. It begins his ministry. Really, what was his ministry? To overthrow Satan in his kingdom, right? And to bring us into that kingdom. Jesus was all about fighting the temptation that we succumbed to. This the temptation that Adam and Eve gave into in the Garden of Eden the temptations that the israelites gave into as they were wandering through the wilderness we failed and we continue to fail here in 2022 we fail daily time and again jesus showed that he would not fail as the son of god coming to take our place to overthrow satan he would not fail now many people today in this world they kind of yeah satan's not really a real thing Maybe they believe in the spiritual realm, but they're not believing in Satan, or they don't believe in the spiritual realm at all, it's just nothingness. They don't think about Satan, and that tends to draw you guys in, where you're not really thinking about Satan. Well, Jesus defeated him on the cross, Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, we're all good. Do you not fight temptation in this world? Do you not struggle against the flesh, the world? those are all temptations. That's Satan attacking you. It's not just your sinful flesh. Satan is very real, as are his demons. When he rebelled against God, about a third of the angels went with him and God swept them out of heaven. Well, where did he come? Down into earth. You are in a battle. Every day of your life, you're in a battle against Satan. And when we don't realize it, it's like walking out into the battlefield unarmed, unprotected, and, just, and then you get hit by a stray bullet. You're like, whoa, what happened? Why is this world so awful? Why am I getting hurt out here? Why are you surprised? You belong to God's kingdom. Satan is out to attack you. He's out to defeat you. Satan, we know, is talked about from the beginning to end, from Genesis 3 to Revelation 19 and 20. Satan is all throughout scripture. St. Paul wrote about him in Ephesians 2. He said, the ways in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, in the sons of disobedience. He's talking all about, this. this is after Jesus on the cross, you know, he's talking about those unbelievers following Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Peter also talked about it. You know this verse well. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Peter and Paul both warned us about Satan seeking you out, tempting you, trying to get you to fall, trying to get you to reject Christ, trying to get you to give in to the temptations of this world. Finally, in Ephesians at the end, St. Paul says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And Of course, you know this chapter, the armor of God, where he tells you to be prepared. Stand firm in the armor of God. He's warning you. He's saying Satan is going to attack you and will continue attacking you until Christ returns. And that's what Revelation talks about. Christ returns, throws Satan and his minions into the pits of hell and he locks it for good. So he will bother us no more. So Jesus came into this world and he goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. There in the Jordan River, he takes your place. He becomes Israel down to one person. He becomes the people of God. And now as the people of God, the spirit drives him out into the wilderness. I know in our ESV, we have leads but it really is more the Spirit is pushing them out there. Get out there. Why would God push Jesus out into the wilderness? Why would he lead them out there? And then for 40 days, give them nothing to eat, not take care of them, right? Why is God doing this? Because Jesus has taken our place. He's going to take our temptations. He's going to take the assault of the devil. He's going out to battle Satan himself. This is the beginning of his ministry. He goes out into the wilderness to begin that battle. He goes onto that field of battle. Forty days, that reminds you an awful lot of stuff, right? The flood, 40 days and 40 nights. Israelites in the wilderness, 40 years. How about David and Goliath? Forty days, Goliath mocked the Israelite army. And then David says, what are you guys doing? Why are you letting him mock God? No, let me go battle him. I'll go in the name of God. And you know the story of David and Goliath well enough to know how David defeats Goliath and the Philistine army runs away. Forty days, Jesus is in the wilderness. At the end of 40 days, Satan appears and he's going to tempt him with the three temptations that Satan goes after you with. Two of them you heard me talk about with the kids. The first one in Luke 4 verse 3, the devil said to him, if, notice how Satan likes, he loves that word if. If if, because that sows doubt. It's not, you are the Son of God, it's if you are the Son of God. He wants you to doubt God's Word right from the start, if. There's that key word. He wants you to doubt God's Word, God's love, God's care, God's protection. He wants you to doubt all of it. And how many times do those words throw a fly through your head? If God is real, if you are there, Lord, if you hear my prayer, if you love me, if I am yours, if, if, if. Satan loves that word. God, you are real. God, I am yours. God, you do love me. God, I am your child. Don't so doubt yourself. If you are the son of God. Now he knows, Jesus, 40 days without food, just like Moses on Mount Sinai, 40 days without food before he gets the Ten Commandments. Boy, 40 just goes all through Scripture, doesn't it? Now that you've been hungry for 40 days, let me attack you. Why don't you just command this stone to become bread? Boy, it's really simple. Show yourself to be the Son of God. And how tempted would you and I be in the face of Satan, evil itself, doubting who you are, saying, You really aren't the son of God. You don't have that power. How tempted would you be just to be like, there you go. See, I can do it. That wasn't the point, though, is it? And not only that, but with an empty stomach, an empty stomach, how much more tempted would you be to turn that stone into bread, to show Satan who you are, and then to feed your belly, to take care of yourself? Satan wants to tempt us with scarcity in this world. You don't have enough. You don't have enough of whatever it is, money in the bank accounts, health, whatever it might be, you don't have enough. And so you need more and more and more. We get to the ninth and 10th commandments, you shall not covet. When we feel that we don't have enough, we start to look to God and wonder if he really loves us. Well, God, if you're God, and there's that word again, remember, if you're God, and if you love me, why am, I, why am I struggling down here? Why, why do I have a scarcity? Why, why do I have all these bills piling up I can't pay? Why do I have to worry about this? Satan attacks you. When you don't have enough, he attacks you. And he attacks you to start doubting God and who you are and who he is. He just sows that little seed of doubt and he just walks away. He's like, that'll get him to sin. That'll get him to doubt. How did Jesus respond to this? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. How did Jesus respond to every temptation? It is written. It is written. Always going back to the word of God. The Israelites in the wilderness, you know that they were starving, right? Why did you bring us out here, Moses? We left Egypt where we had lots of wonderful food, and we out here, we have nothing God rains bread from heaven. And pretty soon, oh, we're tired of this worthless manna. We don't want this. That's that next temptation we get to. So there's scarcity. You don't have enough. God doesn't love you because you don't have enough stuff. And so in this world, you try to accumulate more and more and more. And you begin to doubt God's love. The next temptation, Satan brings them up up high and shows him in moments notice all the kingdoms of the world, all the power and glory of the world. He says, I'll give all of this to you. So the first temptation, you don't have enough. The next temptation, I'll give you everything of this world, all its power, all its glory, all its authority. Talk about going from nothing to everything. Satan's ready to tempt him with everything. He says, it's been delivered to me. Remember Satan in the garden of Eden? brought sin into this world. He says, I'll give it to whom I will. What do you got to do? All you got to do is bow down and worship me. That's all you got to do, Jesus. And you can have everything this world has to offer. If Satan wins this temptation, he's got it. He has the son of God. He'll have the world. He'll have creation. He's got it. If Jesus will just bow down and worship him. And Jesus, again, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God alone, right? It is written. So Jesus, again, overcomes the temptation of Satan. How could you and I possibly do that? We begin to have enough, and we begin to not think about God. We have plenty. Why do I need God, right? Boy, talk about how difficult we are as humans. I don't have enough. I start to doubt God's love. I have enough, and in our weakness, we start to think we don't need God. Where's that middle ground? Well, that's what Satan likes to do, throw you back and forth, back and forth in your temptation. I don't have enough. I have plenty. I'm good. I don't need you. I don't have enough. Are you really there? I have plenty. I'm good. I don't need you. And so we have Deuteronomy 26. Why would these Israelites... When they come into the land, the promised land, and when they come to bring their offering, their first fruits, why would they say, a wandering Aramean was my father, and he was brought down to Egypt, we were enslaved, then we were brought out to this land of plenty. Because it's that same roller coaster. He was a wandering Aramean into this land, he brought, he had had no land, he had no property there in the land, no place to stay. Then he has this huge army, if you know the story of Abraham. Then he goes down to Egypt and now they're a big, great amount of people, God has blessed them, but now they're enslaved. And then God brings them out with a mighty hand and he brings them through the wilderness. Now they're into the promised land flowing with milk and honey. They're going back and forth on this pendulum. And so when they come to give their offering, they're simply recognizing that no no matter what, whether they have nothing or whether they have plenty, they are children of God. Same for us, when we take an offering in church. I might as well have you guys say it this morning, right? A wandering Aramean was my father. <laughs> and you give your offering, recognizing that whatever you go through, wherever you've been, whatever God has blessed you with or whatever scarcity you're suffering from, you're giving to God for the work of the church. You're giving to God and recognizing he's the giver of all good things that he will continue to take care of you. You only got two little pennies to drop in and that's all you got to live on. And you drop in, you give it to God you're recognizing God will provide. You have an overabundance of stuff and you're able to bless many people and you dump a whole bunch of money in. God only cares if you're doing it because you trust in him to continue to provide. That's why it's an act of worship. If it doesn't hurt you to put it in there, are are you really trusting in God? Are you really thinking about what God has given to you? And so Satan throws you back and forth. Scarcity, abundance, Where's your temptation fall? And if you overcome both of those temptations and scarcity, you go, I will live by the word of God alone. I trust in him to take care of me. Or in abundance, praise God, you've given me this many, these wonderful blessings that I might share with others. Thank you, Lord. Satan can't get you with those two. He brings you to the last one that he tempts Jesus with. He takes Jesus to Jerusalem, To the temple, to the pinnacle of the temple. He's taking Jesus to his father's house. If Jesus is going to be safe anywhere, if you're going to find God the Father anywhere, it's going to be at the temple in Jerusalem. That's where you would go. Remember Jesus when he's 12 years old? He's in the temple. Didn't you know I was supposed to be here in my father's house? Satan takes him where he's safest, where he's supposed to be. Remember, what is Jesus all about? The business of God the Father. And so Satan takes him here. Oh, yeah, you're about the work of God? You trust in him? Well, let's see. Let's see how much you trust in him. If you are, there's that word again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He even then quotes scripture. Oh, Satan loves to quote God. Oh, but he doesn't quote it right, does he? He takes it and he twists it. He actually leaves out a part of the verse in Psalm 91 that he quotes. This part in Psalm 91 where it says, as you're going the way you, the way God is sending you. As you walk down that path that God is sending you, he will protect you. Did God send Jesus to jump off the temple? No, of course not. It's not the path he went on. Imagine you're in the army and you're gonna have cover flying over you and cover to the side of you as you're walking down this road. And you decide, I don't wanna go down this road anymore. I'm gonna go out this way. And then you get into trouble and you come back, you're like, Sir, why was I not protected? Why were you not on the path you're supposed to be walking on? That's what Satan is leaving out. And so he says, if you are the son of God, in other words, test God. All right? You trust in him when when you have nothing? You praise him and trust in him when you have an abundance? Now test him. See if he really does love you. Put him to the test. Put your faith to the test. That's not what we're supposed to do. Shall not test, put the... You should not put the Lord your God to the test, right? So, where are you being tempted? Is it in scarcity? Do you not have enough? And you're wondering if God loves you? Do you have an abundance and you're trusting in yourself or in the things of this world? Or is it in your faith where you're wondering, well, maybe I should put the Lord my God to the test to see if he really does love me, to see if he really is wanting me to go this way. Satan will just keep throwing these temptations at you, and you won't even notice it. If you're not on guard, if you're not in the armor of God, if you're not standing firm in the faith, you're not even going to notice these temptations. And that's why we continue to gather together in church, to realize we're being tempted left and right. We're out there amidst the enemy who's going after us. But... That's why we come here on Sunday morning. It's why I still wear whites on Sunday morning because we remember the victory that God has given to us. What did he say? The reason, the end of this verse, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason God came, the reason Jesus came into this world, took your place, went out to do battle with Satan And ultimately to go to the cross to suffer and die your sin in your place was to destroy the works of the devil you are a child of God not if but it's a fact God has made you his child in the waters of holy baptism God makes you his child he will watch over you he'll protect you whether you have nothing or everything continue to walk the path that God has set before you in this world he came He destroyed the works of the devil. He did that for you, to be with you now and forever. Amen.